Okay, I have the great pleasure of sitting here today with UCI's fifth chancellor, Dr. Michael Drake. Welcome to KUCI. Thank you. It's uh, been about six months you've been on the position, and um, why don't you give us an initial uh, sense of uh, the, the job and UCI overall? Well, a fascinating job and a great campus. I uh, enjoyed very much coming to Orange County to start something new. I'd been living in the Bay Area for many, many years, and as many people know, a part of the University of California in one way or another for 34 years. Right. So this was a great chance to uh, do something different, still staying within the larger family, but really do something different. So I look forward to it and have had a great time since I've been here. How did they lure you away from uh, up north? Well, I had been uh, at the San Francisco campus, uh, a student there, resident there, uh, faculty member there through the ranks, and was there until 2000 when uh, I moved from the San Francisco campus full-time to the office of the president right. uh, full-time. Now, I, I, I was full-time at the office of the president, but because that office is in Oakland, I was still able to maintain a small patient practice mm-hmm. and keep a couple of my research grants in San Francisco. So uh, I was really about 80% of my time in Oakland and then the other uh, 20% uh, doing the faculty things that I had been doing right. my whole career. And what happened during the 80% of the time that I was at the office of the president is that I dealt with, I was the vice president for health affairs, and Mm -hmm. so I dealt with health sciences and health science issues. But in doing so, I dealt with broader university issues on an increasing basis as well with the president and the provost and my other colleagues. And it was just a natural evolution that um, I would take this step. Okay. (coughs) Excuse me. I believe uh, I read that you were uh, among 650 candidates that uh, started in the beginning. You know, I heard that, and, um, you know. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Okay, well, uh, we're glad you're here. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, some of your short-term goals for the campus, some things you'd like to see, you know, corrected, some things you'd like to create. Well, I don't know so much about corrected. There are places where I think that we can uh, – first, I think, I guess, part of my philosophy is that we can always improve, that, sure. that all of us each day can do a little better at uh, being who we'd like to be than we, than we did yesterday. So I, I've always had a forward-looking uh, philosophy. And so I came to the campus with uh, a couple of ideas. One was to learn uh, uh, better uh, those things that were going very, very well here that we could do every – we could try to stimulate and support – and then to find areas where there might be an opportunity for growth that we had not uh, uh, maximized fully. And uh, very nicely, the campus was just coming off a two-year, exhaustive two-year strategic planning process. Mm-hmm. So I, I had the privilege of sort of coming in at the time that that process was finishing, having a, uh, the opportunity to think about the campus as a kind of insider-outsider, member of the UC family, but uh, from the north, and then to marry those ideas together into things that we would do over the next year or two. Let me uh, list a couple of them. Sure. Um, uh, we are interested in growing the number of graduate and professional students on okay. the campus. That's something that I had noticed. And so we have approved programs in pharmaceutical sciences, which we are growing, an approved program in public health. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a new program in nursing science, which was approved uh, by our academic senate just this fall. Okay. And, uh, in fact, we're looking toward having students in that program as soon as the uh, fall of 06, so the fall of this year. So that will be a, um, a very rapid um, uh, change, a small program at the beginning, but we will see how it may grow. And then we're also interested in a law school and um, have uh, taken uh, an approved 
planned for a law school and uh, redone, re- modernized the budget, updated the budget, and a few other things, and are looking forward to a very strong submission of that program within the next few months. And who is that submitted to? What happens is we, the program has already been approved by okay. our Academic Senate and okay. by the Academic Council okay. uh, for the system. It goes to the president, really, who has the power to – really what the president would do is allow us to present it to the regents and to then, um, uh, through the president and regents, approve a new school. And uh, so I met with the president uh, very recently to talk about this, and uh, he's expecting to hear something from us over the next few months. Very good. If that uh, were to go through – how long of a process is it to go from that submission to actually having students in a law school? Yeah, roughly uh, a year to recruit a founding dean. Okay. Roughly a year for that founding dean to recruit faculty. Okay. Roughly a year for that faculty and the Senate to pull together a curriculum. Um, and then students can come once there's a curriculum. So we look at a three- to four-year process from the time of approval depending on how those years work. If the years turn out to be nine months, um, if our recruitments work quickly, then we can go a little faster. If they're 15 months, it takes a little longer, but roughly a three- to four-year process. So at any rate, a little more complicated than opening a hot dog stand. Um, uh, probably, although I have to think about that. But no, it's a, it's a stepwise process because we are really committed to two things. We're committed to excellence, and we're committed to programs that work in the compelling or that serve the compelling interests of the state of California. Uh, those two things are what I think distinguishes the University of California from other institutions. Other um, uh, institutions like ours around the country do the same thing. I mean, the University of Minnesota is concerned about Minnesota. But at the University of California, we hold ourselves to the highest standards in the world for excellence. Sure. And at the same time, make sure that we focus on things that are in the compelling interests of the broader population. In, in doing that, the number of individuals who are appropriate or perfect for positions like founding dean of a law mm-hmm. school, uh, th- that number becomes relatively small. Sure. And so we want to make sure we have the time and the focus and the effort to get the right person. And then it takes time for him or her to bring on the initial support group. So we'd like that to happen immediately, but we also want to make sure that we get the right product, and that's why the flexibility of time. Absolutely. Uh, Let me ask you what you think of the uh, impact of technology on the learning process. I've read about uh, online courses and things like that. How do you see that unfolding in the next few years? That's a very interesting, uh, provocative question. There are two uh, industries that have not been uh, affected as much by technology uh, over the last hundred years as most others. Um, and if I'll just uh, take a comparison. If we think about farming uh, in at the turn of the 20th century mm-hmm. and the number of people it took to produce um, uh, food for um, a family of uh, four or a city or whatever sure. and the time and effort it took, and you looked at that today, the number of the yield per acre and the number of people it takes to do that, that there's a dramatic difference. Um, and that will be the case for many other things that we uh, would look at. The two places where that's not so much the case are uh, teaching and healthcare, and so now we still have um, a doctor and a patient often working one on one together. Many healthcare workers uh, with the patients, right? And then in teaching, we have uh, classrooms that can have a hundred or four hundred students in them. Yes, but we have a lot of small uh, uh, group teaching, seminar teaching, one on one tutorials, etc. And so there's been a high-tech change in that instead of writing on chalkboards, um, uh, professors now use PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. 
but the change has not been as profound um, in teaching and in uh, healthcare as it has been in many other uh, many other arenas. So uh, I'd say that the technology makes things easier, um, but we have to see how things like distance learning and all uh, will affect our futures. And I think that the jury's still out on that. Okay, very interesting. Now uh, let me ask you about uh, your involvement with the student populations here on campus. How do they have access to you? What types of things do you do that uh, involves you with the students? One of the things that I was most excited about, uh, maybe the thing I was most excited about when this opportunity presented itself was a chance to work more closely with students. On the San Francisco campus, I worked with students uh, as closely as any person there. I mm-hmm. had, uh, And for 10 years, at least, I had uh, one day a week that I had open student office hours for students right. across the the board to come in and we talk about whatever they were interested in. It was m- my favorite day of the week. I, I liked my surgery days and my patient days and my research days as well, but I really loved my student day. And uh, and I saw students the other days in teaching um, uh, circumstances, so I really was around students or residents pretty much every day. Okay. When I went to OP, the office of the president, I, I made the joke that I had sort of traded people with backpacks for people in suits and that I'd gotten the worst end of the deal, you know. <laughs> uh, so I, I um, have always enjoyed time with students. I have two sons who are um, now young men, but one's in graduate school, the other's in college, and mm-hmm. so it, it's a, a big part of my life. What I find, though, is that the demands of this particular position mean that my student contact is much less than I wish that it were. I'm hoping to teach a freshman seminar next mm, year, okay. um, so that will be regular. And I have had the pleasure of some contact with student leaders and other student groups. The schedule is pretty heavily impacted at the beginning now, and I'm looking forward to, to more time with students as I go forward. Okay, very good. Well, let's uh, just talk in our remaining minutes a little bit about your background, your interest. I've read that you're an avid cyclist. Do you yeah. find time to do that, and do you do that around here anywhere? I find some time to ride, and I, I do ride around here. It's dangerous for a person of my age to say avid because um, avid then puts me in a group of people who get to ride as much as they want, and then they all say, let's go ride, and you know my tongue is dragging yeah. on the pavement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love it. I feel better always after I ride than before. Um, I'm uh, a relatively frequent adult rider, I guess okay. is what I would That's say. That's a good way and, to put and, it. Um, you know, I have goals uh, each week that I try to meet. I'd love to ride twice a week at a minimum, and four or five times a week if I could. And I'm close to the twice a week, although, I, as I said, it's a little tight this uh, these first sure, few months. That's understandable. Great, great cycling, though, here. Uh, you, you know, I as I mentioned, lived in the Bay Area where mm-hmm. all the cycling is hilly, and the cycling in San Francisco is hilly, and there's streetcars and whatever. Right. So that's what I had become used to. I did some cycling in Boston um, when I was away, and that was uh, downright, um, I guess, thrilling would be the word. Okay. I mean, with parked cars uh-huh. and potholes. Here, uh, the cycling really is uh, quite wide and open, and uh, much of it is reasonably flat, so you can get out and get 15 or 20 miles in um, uh, pretty quickly, and I, I really do appreciate that and look forward to I think about it all the time. Good. And uh, I believe I read that you're into stargazing as well? You know, I, I, uh, uh, particularly when my older son was young, we were active stargazers. He became interested in it, and so we learned constellations and bought a few telescopes, and we'd go to dark places mm-hmm. and go out in the yard and look. And I, I developed this uh, view of the seasons. 
based on what the sky looks like. And that, so I still do that to this day. So when I look in the sky and see Orion in the south, it right. feels to me like it's winter. And uh, when I see Cygnus uh, overhead, I think that it's summer. And um, so I, I'm very used to, to that, and I still do that. And I, when I travel around, particularly in cities that don't have uh, uh, too much light pollution or on the right. edge of cities, I kind of try to get where I am in the world by what the sky looks like. It, it also helps me. It's, you might imagine, uh, uh, or in for for everybody. It's not uh, just for me, but for everybody. The, the world, life has ups and downs. So things that are going the way you'd like them mm-hmm. to go, and then things that aren't going the way you'd like them to go. And it helps me to look at the stars to get an idea of kind of constancy and continuation. Right. And you know, they come up like they're supposed to, and they're where they're supposed to be. And you know, they were there, and they will be there. And I don't know. I I still like looking at the skies. That's nice. Uh, let me ask you now. Your wife is a lawyer, yes, and she's practicing down here now, or she was commuting. I believe she's still uh, uh, commuting. Um, we actually talk about this every day. More of her work will be done from down here, particularly after the first um, of the year. That was a big uh, a change time for us. I moved mm-hmm. the dog. The dog came with me yesterday, oh, okay. and so. But she was spending most of her time in Northern California until now. And now most of her time will be here as she transitions. She she had a new contract right okay. after this job was announced with brand new employees, and okay. uh, and that is uh, a one year contract that was will be up this February. So she, she had her obligations to that, but a lot of it she can do electronically, thankfully, and we'll be spending more of her time now most of her time here in Southern Very California. Good. And you have one Very son good. at Stanford and one at Harvard, I believe? I have one who's a senior uh, at Stanford and the other who's in his second year at Harvard Law School. Very good. What uh, Your son at Stanford, what is he studying? What does he hope to be? He's a psychology major, and he's a runner. He's on the track and cross-country teams and has been all these years and is going to – I. I've learned over Christmas, uh, is going to do a fifth year because he has another year of eligibility. And so I think he's going to uh, do some more work and stay there. And then I think during that year, you'll probably know before I, you know, but during that year, kind of decide on his direction. He's interested in graduate school in a couple of ways he's mentioned, but we'll give him the time to get um, uh, focused on that as it uh, comes true. He likes psychology, though, interestingly. I mean, I'd say interestingly because he's a psych major like a lot of people are psych majors, um, uh, and I mean, there are a great number of psych majors. He's uh, particularly interested in, he really loves the psychology part of it, and uh, has thought about graduate school and psychology as one of his uh, directions. So we'll see what, uh, what, he, what he does. Very good. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you in our uh, parting moment here about your musical preferences. Uh, what type of music do you listen to, unwind to? Yes. First, I was. it's very exciting for me to come here. This was like a great place. You know, I, I walked in saying, oh, this would be a better place than my normal office. I, uh-huh. I uh, mentioned to you before we started that my wife had been um, uh, DJ at the college radio station when I met her in college. And my older son was a sportscaster, an engineer at the radio station um, at uh, college. We all had gone to the same college. He, in fact, was the uh, play-by-play color and then play-by-play announcer for the football team. Oh, very so nice. So traveled with the team uh, for years and and then engineering for other things. So spent a lot of time in the basement of the auditorium mm-hmm. uh, with setting sound levels and recording things. So I, I had some time with college radio. And then my only job before medical school was working at Tower Records. Oh, I really? worked at the original Tower Records in Sacramento, across the street Very from nice. the Tower Theater where where it was founded. 
and where it, uh, where its name came from. And so I, I sold but also played records all the time while we were working. It was a mile from my high school, a great place to mm-hmm. work as a 20-year-old. And uh, I developed, I would say, during those days, a pretty eclectic musical taste because if you're working in a record store playing music eight hours a day, you get a chance to go through pretty much everything. I settled mostly in the early 70s on uh, jazz, and I settled on jazz because there was a story to jazz. There was an evolution to jazz. The, The sort of leading jazz Man, I would say in many ways of the 20th century, but certainly at the time was Miles Davis. And, Absolutely. And Miles Davis, you know, his his uh, albums then were titled Directions in Music by Miles Davis. And, and so I liked listening to what he was doing and then listening to the sidemen yeah. and what they were doing. And then I had a chance over the months of working there, and I did this for a couple of years, to go back into their history. And so you'd play music that was recorded in 1968 or 70 or whenever I was doing this. But you could go back and look at where they were in 1962 or 1955 and mm-hmm. kind of follow their careers and the progression. So I've stayed interested in that to this to this day and the progression of those people. Many of the uh, people I listened to then were in their 30s at that time but are still are, are active still today. Active, absolutely. And that's great. And then I was in Sacramento where the s- station was, and so there was lots and lots of rock and roll played. And so I listened to, you know, it was pretty much AM radio. Right. And I listened to AM radio like everybody else. Uh, during the 60s and so different kinds of rock and roll different kinds of Motown I heard every one of those records a, a hundred times or mm-hmm. more and and then uh, album oriented rock was big in San Francisco starting at the time that I finished high school the uh, film auditorium in Winterland mm-hmm. were okay. opening up yeah. and radio stations like um, uh, KSAN KMPX actually was the original one uh, in the, in the mid-60s, and then it got bought up by KSAN, which became that station. So I listened to a lot of that music when I was in college and working at the record store. So I still have an interest and a great knowledge there. L- last thing I'll say is my my older son, who uh, did the radio work, is a musician as a hobby, plays oh, piano, nice. and played classical early and then started playing jazz when he was in high school and still plays. He played gigs over the Christmas break. And... Uh, particularly his interest in classical music and opera uh, took us to the opera uh, a lot. But from the time he was 11, 12 years old, we would go always. And so I I, I very much enjoy operas and operatic music. And so I'd say that those three would be my main, the the main genres that I would focus on. But actually, I can listen to just about anything. I I would shock you. Okay. Well, we look forward to that in the future. Yes. Uh, any closing thoughts here as we say goodbye? Y- yes. I think that uh, uh, the, you asked, the first question you asked me, I, I think, is a very important one for us to finish on. That is that it's been just a great pleasure joining this vibrant community, and I look forward to many, many years of being here and uh, growing with the campus as we move forward. Okay. Chancellor Drink, thank you very much. Thank you.